Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this show today. I've got Brooks Childress with me, T.P. Hammock, running the board, taking your phone calls for the first hour today on this Friday. Of course, we will have a shortened show today, so there will not be much beyond this first hour of the show. There will only be an hour and a half today. We'll get off air around 430 as Borgard High School basketball start around 4.45 or 4.50. Uh, with airtime of that game, 5 o'clock tip-off for the girls' game, taking on Valley tonight. Again, girls and boys basketball for Borgard tonight. Excited to be going through area play right now. So you'll uh, hear from Tim Sin uh, and the Borgard guys out there at Borgard High School. So that's why we're getting off air early. Also, go ahead and give you a promo for over on FM Talk 93.9. The aforementioned T.P. Hammock will be with Brant Daughtry, the voice of the Smith Station Panthers, as Smith Station takes on Opelika tonight. That one is 5.30 for the girls' game and then boys' game shortly uh, shortly after. So that is over on FM Talk 93.9. So we got you covered with high school basketball in the area on the airwaves of Tiger Communications this evening. For this hour and a half edition of the show, of course, we'll take your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. We'll discuss Auburn basketball as they get set for a top 25 matchup against Ole Miss inside of Neville Arena. Yes, Ole Miss lost earlier this week, but of course, rankings don't change until the following week. So it is a top 25 matchup inside of Neville Arena. We'll preview that one. And we'll also preview the NFL playoffs coming up this weekend. We've moved past Super Wildcard Weekend. We're on to the divisional round. We've been talking coaches the last couple of days. We'll move on to the play that is still going on on the field as we'll look at the divisional matchups this weekend in the NFL. And again, we only on the air for an hour and a half, so again, get your calls in early today, and uh, we'll be making it happen pretty quickly on this Friday edition of Sports Call. Ryan and Brooks with you here. Brooks Childress, good to see you, my friend. How are you today? It is great to be here, Ryan. Uh, uh, great to be here on this Friday in front of a another great sports weekend uh, around here. We got, like you mentioned, Auburn basketball. Both men's and women's are going to have big weekends. Uh, you've got NFL action returning this weekend. Just so much fun. Um, I'm going to be out at gymnastics tonight as they host uh, a very, very good Florida squad. Uh, it's an early meet. They're doing a triple header on the SEC network of gymnastics from Friday Night Heights, but uh, all on the front end of that. So can't wait to be out there for, for some gymnastics action tonight. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, a lot to cover in a, in a very short amount of time, so can't wait to get to all of our calls here in just a little bit, and then can't wait to dive into uh, to what we, we've got planned for the show today. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, look, the good news is so far I should knock on some wood. Uh, there's nothing been dramatic about Auburn football 
today in terms of portal ins or outs and that sort of thing. And uh, no coaching news, so nothing uh, to update you on that we've not updated you on the last couple of days in terms of portal, in terms of coaching staff. Had a great conversation with Brian Matthews about it yesterday. You can go check that out in the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Of course, if there is new news in the next hour and a half, we will uh, give that to you. But, uh, again, most of the portal news still coming out of Tuscaloosa these last couple of days, and we'll probably – once the dust settles, want to do a roundup of all that. I know uh, we are more focused on Auburn, but uh, again, it's about as many portal people as you can lose in in one cycle, just numbers wise. So that'll be coming. Probably try to tie all that up next week. I was about to say the, the biggest Auburn football news out of the last twenty four hours has been the announcement of the A Day game. Yes, yes, and uh, so we can mention that uh, as Auburn A Day was announced last night, I believe on Tiger Talk is when. Uh, it got announced there, and uh, no surprise, not a uh, uh, a much different uh, point of the year uh, as it's uh, the first weekend of April there uh, for Auburn A-Day. It's going to be April the uh, 6th, I believe. Yep, April 6th uh, will be Auburn A-Day. The, uh, the biggest news is what's not that weekend. It's not Masters weekend. I okay. guess I should say that is a little surprising because it always seems like it's Masters weekend. So. Not that a lot of people have to make that decision because you don't ever win the lottery because who actually wins the lottery to get to go to the weekend rounds of the Masters, but uh, that is not Masters weekend. So April the 6th is Auburn A-Day. So uh, I guess maybe one week earlier than, than normal, but uh, but certainly still kind of in the same time frame there. All right, we do want to start the show, though, with some Auburn basketball as they get set for an important one inside of Neville Arena tomorrow night the tip time for that one about 7 30 as again Ole Miss did lose in the midweek uh they having sustained their second loss of the year they lost to LSU 89 to 80 but still uh the rankings don't change this is a top 25 matchup and and I mean I'll tell you if Ole Miss were to surprise Auburn Ole Miss would stay ranked so that's why they don't change uh in the midweek because you play two and a lot of ranked teams end up losing one if they have to go on the road. Auburn hopes Ole Miss will have lost two when the week is over. So, Brooks, again, these two teams with the same record, 15-2. and two, But a little hard to figure out exactly how real Ole Miss is. And, of course, a lot of storylines will be around Allen and Wes Flanagan returning the planes after uh, several years uh, for Wes on the coaching staff and obviously Allen on the roster. So, an interesting one tomorrow, Neville Arena. Yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, you know, Auburn, Ole Miss. Uh, this is going to be, uh, we mentioned it earlier this week with uh, when we talked to Justin Ferguson, this is the first time Auburn's played a ranked team since you opened the season with uh, a top 20 Baylor team. Uh, and so this is going to be a big test. I know Auburn's played some pretty, pretty good, you know, pretty decent teams so far, and, and they've come out on the, the positive side of, uh, of all, most of those uh, outside of, again, that Baylor game and that App State game. But this is going to be a big test. This is your big, your first really big conference test at home. Uh, you went on the road, played at a very tough place to play in Bud Walton Arena, and you came away with a big dominant victory. Well, this is the first time a, a big team is coming to your house, and it is going to be a, a, a test for you. Ole Miss is a team that, you know, we're still it, it's still trying to figure out who they are as a basketball team because they come into this game overall with the exact same record as Auburn, 15-2. and two. The only difference is both of their losses are in conference play. Um, and, and, you know, one of those was to a, a very good Tennessee team, which is understandable. The other one was that to LSU, which Brian Matthews said yesterday, 
uh, he, he thinks that's a, an LSU team that's better than what a lot of people think it is. I mean, you look at it and how they've played so far this year, they, they've put together a little bit better record than what you have thought. They still have a few. We, we mentioned it going into last weekend's game. There's just a few losses on their on the resume that's kind of a head-scratching loss already. Uh, but, you know, you, you it's a road game. Uh, both of those games they, they've lost are on the road. Uh, and so, the both you know, road games are, are difficult places to go. Auburn, of course, coming in 4-0. I think the biggest thing here is what we talked with uh, Brian Matthews yesterday, and, and you asked the question, Ryan, about uh, any injury worries which and I broom, and he very rapidly said, no, no injury worries. He's going to play on Saturday, which is great. I, I think that that way, you know, we, we talked about contingency plans on yesterday's show, uh, who you would put there, what, you know, what what the rotation would be, how, how much would Dylan Cardwell actually, you know, have to step up and play there. The fact that you are going to have uh, Jani Broom more than likely in that lineup, the starting lineup for the game, it is huge. It, it's, it's, it's very, very big. Um, I think that the you know the crowd is definitely going to be a little fired up for to see Alan Flanagan back on uh, on the court. I know Bruce has made the call out uh, to say, "Hey, he's an Auburn man. Let's let's treat him. You know, let's let's welcome him back. Him and Wes." I think we all know that the students and the fans are going <laughs> to give him a little bit. I, I, like I, I'm I'm in the same camp as you know he left to go play with his dad, continue to play with his. It's not like he left and went somewhere else after his dad left. He went to continue to play with his dad. So I, I respect that. But you you know the students right. and some of the fans are going to give him a little bit, especially that first missed shot. Yep. Woo. Gosh, that's going to be it's going to be loud at that first missed shot. Um, and so I, I think Auburn's in, in a very, very good situation to win this game. You're going to have a Saturday crowd at, at Neville Arena. I know we talk about all crowds at Neville Arena are, are good, but a Saturday crowd at Neville Arena, a Saturday night crowd at Neville Arena, giving everybody enough time to get there. Uh, you're you're going into it a, a Ole Miss team that is again a, a mystery of who they actually are, um, and it, it's a it's a game that you're coming off of. Uh, a, a a game last weekend with LSU that you gave up some a big run and you were able to win it, so you were able to show uh, that advert you were able to conquer adversity there, and then you were able to go on the road to a place that you haven't won a lot, and it it's a, a place that always gives you trouble with with Vanderbilt, and you were able to get that win. So I think confidence is riding high right now for the Tigers. I think you get the you know you got two days to prepare for this one uh, coming into it, and so I, I you know I, I, right now. I think Auburn's in a very, very good chance to win a basketball game tomorrow. Look, I think Ole Miss is a very interesting team because we are all trying to figure out exactly how fast Chris Beard can build this. I, Chris Beard's a wonderful basketball coach. He, Even for what he did at Texas, I think people so easily forget that uh, if Auburn had had the correct call of a double dribble – against Virginia back in the in the NCAA tournament five years ago, Auburn would have played Chris Beard in Texas Tech in the national title game. That's, that's who was the national runner-up that year. So uh, Chris Beard's been really good at this, and he's been uh, doing it rather quickly. The question was, could it already look like a tournament team this year? And so far they have looked like a tournament team. They're probably not, in all honesty, a top 25 team if I had to – take my best swing at it I think that they are not necessarily too deep and they're still working on exactly what they need to get out of their post players because their top players all are, are all guards um, and they really use they have some link with those guards I mean uh, they will play uh, of their leading scores their top 
uh, four leading scorers. Three of them are technically guards. But Morrell, Flanagan, and Brakefield, 6'4", 6'6", and 6'8". And Brakefield is more of a forward, to be fair. But um, their other guard is Jalen Murray. So it's a pretty guard-heavy team. Uh, their best true center option is Jamarian Sharp, a transfer from Western Kentucky. If you're not familiar with him, uh, he's going to stand out pretty easily to everyone. He's seven foot five, uh, and he's uh, similar to Vanover, uh, who's also in the SEC. He's at Missouri, just a large, skinny dude. Um, not much of an offensive threat, but he. In about 15 minutes a game, blocks I think three three and a half shots a game. So he's going to he's going to have a block shot. I'm going to break the news. He's going to have a block shot tomorrow. Uh, but but again, that's a guard centric team. What's interesting about it is that in this age where three point shooting becomes more and more and more important, and people take more and more and more threes, Ole Miss is a team that makes a lot of their threes but they don't shoot a lot of threes. Ole Miss is 39% as a team from three. For reference, Auburn's about 33, 33.5. 39.0% is 15th in the NCAA. So this is a top 15 shooting team from the three-point line. However, they only take 19.5 threes a game, and that is 285th in the country. So, again, their percentage is top 20, yet their th- their two po- their three-point attempts is bottom quarter-ish, so 285th, something like that. So, it's a team that only likes to take high-quality threes. And it's a team that uh, really could stand to shoot more to be honest with you. So I'm going to be very interested to see how Auburn defends the perimeter and how they decide to to guard Ole Miss's guards. By comparison, again, I told you Ole Miss is 15th in the country in three-point percentage. When Ole Miss takes a two, they are 249th in the country in percentage. So the name of the game is to force them to drive and finish at the rim because that is much more of a problem than it is to stand there and, and take looks from three. So I think how many attempts Ole Miss ends up getting from three will be relevant. And then, again, what that two-point percentage is for Ole Miss because they have certainly struggled in that department. And, look, again, it's no secret. Alan Flanagan's played really good basketball for Ole Miss this year. If you want to hear the numbers for him, He's at he's their second leading scorer. Uh, Morell, their other one of their other guards, Matthew Morell, is just a, a tick higher. But Flanagan, sixteen half points a night, seven rebounds, three and a half assists, a steal and a half, and a block a night. Forty two percent from the field, thirty one point three from three. So again, not still not shooting the three great, but uh, a little improved off of off of sometimes. Again, he's just getting to be a higher volume player now that with the situation Ole Miss. And again, they only play eight. Uh, they, they play eight guys, uh, and again, really only two bigs. Uh, Jamarian Sharp is one of them, and then Musa Cisse uh, is the other. And neither one of those guys average uh, more than four points a game. So this is, again, a guard and, and a wing team. And so it will be very important to see how Auburn defends those guards. Again, they are a little bit lengthier because of Morrell being 6'4", because of Flanagan being 6'6". 
Uh, I think it'll be very relevant there, and I think that you'll see you'll probably see the the one for one matchup. I think you'll see Baker Mazar guard Flanagan a good amount because Flanagan, Morrell, and Murray all play over thirty one and a half minutes a game. Again, there's there's not a lot of rest for them, and so they're going to be out there. All of Auburn's players, Denver Jones, Katie Johnson, Aiden Hallway, Trey Donaldson, Chad Baker Mazar, they're all going to have cracks at those three players. And I think you're going to see the CBM and Flanagan matchup. And it's not necessarily going to be about who scores more, but it's about how efficient, efficient the two are. Because that's the whole point of what Baker Mazara has done for Auburn is that he is giving you similar point rebound numbers to Flanagan when Flanagan was at Auburn these last two years, not his sophomore year when the team wasn't good. Uh, but he's giving you similar raw numbers to what Flanagan did, but he's doing it at a much higher clip in terms of efficiency. He's shooting the ball a lot better than, than Flanagan did uh, because Baker Mazzara – uh, from three is in the high 30s right now. So he's at, again, the nine-and-a-half point number. But he's 44% from the field, and he's 38% from three. And, of course, Flanagan's usually a low 30s type of guy from three and, and low 40s instead of mid-40s field goal. So, again, it's a little more efficient with a little more defense. So that matchup is going to be something that people stare at. Yes, I would recommend a cheer in the pregame for Alan Flanagan, appreciation of four years at Auburn, being a part of some successful Auburn teams. And then once the game gets going, all hell breaks loose. And that's that's probably what it should be. And uh, that's what I would prescribe for a, a, a dose of appreciation pregame, followed by you're now on the opposing team. Just a, another little nugget about this game. Uh, Bruce Pearl met with the media not too long ago, and uh, it came out of that press conference that this is the first time that's ever been a ranked versus ranked matchup between these two in oh, basketball. Wow. Again, I, I guess you can put the, the two and two together that Auburn's uh, aside from the Bruce Pearl tenure, you know, up and down, up and down, and Ole Miss would certainly not have a lot of history to it either. A couple of good Andy Kennedy teams that made the tournament, but beyond that, I'm not aware of much. Uh, so it makes sense if you if you think about, it, but still, the teams have been at it for so long. You would have thought maybe the stars would align one time. That is a pretty cool factoid there. We're gonna go ahead and take our first time out of the show right now. Got a couple calls lined up on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We will get to them right after this timeout. You're listening to the shortened edition of Sports Call here on this Friday afternoon on Tiger 95.9. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Jeff Whitaker, Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday. T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls for this first hour. Again, only an hour and a half show 
here on this Friday. The number to call us, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today. Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing fine. I just got back from my swimming in Birmingham. I won first place in one of my events, and then I hit my head, and I didn't do the rest of the swimming. So I got first place in one of them. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm sorry you hit your head there at the end, but uh, that's a great job, man. Yeah. What's up, Brooks? Hey, man. Congratulations. Thank you. And, and so, so, um, so what? So was that JP? Yeah, TP is uh, not on the show today. He's just answer. He's answering the phones. Oh, hey, so, so Brooks, are you going to do the game tomorrow? I'll be up there with the uh, uh, in the media section. Yes. Okay. Uh, so what so do you think it'll be a high score game tomorrow night? Yeah, I mean it, it could be. Uh, Auburn is is certainly capable of it. I think both teams though are averaging around mid upper seventy scoring, so it, it could be a high scoring game for both teams. You think it'll be like like a hundred? Like you think it'd be in like the nineties or the hundreds? Uh, you could theoretically touch the 90s. I would say probably lower 80s into the 70s for both teams. Uh, if Auburn's defense plays well, they may hold Ole Miss into the 60s. So, I, um, Ryan, I, I heard that you were talking about the, the two Ole Miss big guys. Um, would you put Caldwell on one of them? Or uh, who? Yeah, they, they have two big guys. They, they both play about 15, 16 minutes, and neither one is particularly impactful, at least on the offensive end. They're pretty good rebounders and great shot blockers. So I think it's more about who they're defending. But, yeah, they'll definitely be matched up on Janai Broom and Dylan Cardwell whenever they're in the game. Oh, okay. So, so who, would, like, who would you put KD on for uh, the guard on Ole Miss? Yeah, so I think it depends if he's out there more with Trey Donaldson or more with uh, with Aiden Holloway. I think Donaldson is at least a little bit bigger than Holloway, so you could probably mix and match a little bit more. Uh, for KD, he's probably going to be looking at either Matthew Morrell, who is the leading scorer for Ole Miss, a 6'4 guard, uh, averaging about 17 a game, or he'll be on the little bit smaller Jalen Murray, who – uh, missed the first part of this year. Has been has played in eight games, averaging about fifteen points a game, and he's five eleven. Yeah. So it'll probably be one of those two guys. Just depends who the point guard is that Auburn has out there as well. What What do you guys think about uh, Auburn being in Vanderbilt? I thought it was a really good win. Uh, I, I thought Auburn did a good job of playing pretty consistent basketball. I know Vandy shot a lot of free throws in the second half, but Auburn's play was very similar from an offensive perspective and guarding. Uh, Vandy in terms of forcing them to shoot about the same percentage. So uh, yeah. winning, winning by double digits on the road is always a good thing in college basketball. So, what, hey, uh, Ron, um, Ryan and Brooks, what do you guys think of that pass that KD did to uh, Caldwell on that dunk? Uh, you know, Auburn's a, a good passing team, and I, I recall that one. I also remember the behind-the-back pass uh, to get Denver Jones an open three after saving the ball from going out of bounds. So they, they had a couple highlight passes in that game, and actually it was not one of their better passing games. I think their assist-to-turnover ratio was not the best, but it was still – they make some really fun plays. Brooke, what do you think about the pass that uh, that KD did to Caldwell? Yeah, it was an electric moment for sure. Man, that pass was awesome. Yeah. Hey, uh, listen – if Wardan Steve is on the line, uh, I got a message for him. Wardan Steve, if you want to know what swimming I'm doing in April, just ask, 
and and I'll give you the answer Monday. And James, if you're on the line, same same thing. And and so so, but uh, yeah, like when I got out, I was a little dizzy. The MRI checked on me. They put an ice pack on my head. Um, they didn't let me do the rest of the relays and stuff like that. But uh, I wanted to so bad, but. Um, I had to do what I had to do, listen to what they told me to do, and and so but I'm glad I got first place in one of them. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and so and like uh, but if you guys can keep me in my prayers, that it'll heal real soon. It's just a it's just a scratch. But um, I hit that wall real hard. My mom felt a thump, and and so so I was going really fast and hit it a little bit. Um, my head hurts a little bit, but, uh, and so, so, but, um, yeah, I'm glad I got first. And like I said, if Wardown Steve is on the line and James, did you have any questions about what swimming event I'm going to do in April, they can ask you and I can give you guys the answer next Monday. All right. Sounds good, Matt. Well, we hope you, uh, we hope you heal up there. And, uh, again, congratulations on finishing first in the, the meet you were able to participate in. Thank you, and War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, that Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Let's go ahead and go right back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line on this shortened edition of the show, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, War Dam Steve. Retired War Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? Good. It's fun Friday, guys. How are you doing? Doing quite well. All right. No time is valuable today, even more than usual, so let's get to it. Speaking of fun Friday, Ron Sanders, you, you're favorite with who he is, right? Uh, he rings a bell, but not off the top of my head. Yeah, he pretty much, I think he's a, a general manager for Auburn 247 Sports website. Okay. So, anyway, he knows a lot of people inside. Well, this just came up on uh, the website. And, quote, he says, he talked to a prominent person today who knows both the Auburn and Alabama situations well. I asked his thoughts on DeBoer. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, DeBoer. Yep. Okay. And he said, quote, right now, it's somewhere between Dennis Franchoni and Brian Harson. And in the words of Michael from The Office or Steve Carell, well, 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 how to turn tables. Right. Yeah. What do you think? What do you make of that comment that it's somewhere between Dennis Franchoni, who is a joke, and uh, Arson, our guy. I mean, I, I would prefer to watch a single game of football that they coach first. I understand that the, the portal uh, looks very bad, but it's very hard to equate what goes on in the off season in college football today to what happened with Francione, you know, 20, 25 years ago. I agree. So, I, look, I, look that, <laughs> that, that, that is the hope for, for, for Auburn fans that it will be – somewhere between that and and certainly the losses are large that Alabama has already had uh but we still got to go through the spring cycle remember the portals can't really they can't really take players right now that that uh off of other teams that might be interested until spring I mean they can get guys that are in the already in the portal but the portal is only only allowing them to lose more rather than have new opportunities at new guys so again they've they've taken huge losses but I want to see the full roster play out but certainly it's a it's a new time for them they've not dealt with this uh the last couple of years because of the Nick Saban effect and uh it is again I it, 
it does not take some sort of hot take machine to tell you he's not going to be Nick Saban. But what that means, what we will see. But uh, let, let's see how he coaches first. Yeah, fair enough. I right, uh, moving on. I did see just a few months ago from uh, Jason Caldwell that apparently uh, Jani Broom is going to be good to go. Those are words from uh, Coach uh, Bruce Pearl. Yes, and we also asked uh, Brian Matthews about that yesterday, and uh, he said, "Yep, no problems at all. He's good." All right, sticking with real quickly with the transfer portal. I guess uh, this one I said this is a wow from Bleach Report. Uh, a person by the name of uh, what comes from CBS Sports. Uh, but a uh, person uh, who uh, his name is McCormick. Have you read about him? Uh, in the transfer portal? No, he's Miami tight end. Oh yes, the tight end that's going to play for the ninth year. Oh yeah, yep, yeah, sorry. ninth year, yep. twenty-five years old. I said, oh my god! But before he had a lot of season-ending injuries, but he's probably as old as some of the people who are now playing in the NFL. Uh, yeah, uh, several. I mean, C.J. Stroud's like three years younger than him. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> uh, it's pretty crazy. And uh, I think all of us were talking a little bit about it in the office earlier today. And I think our thoughts collectively are, well, you know, maybe every, not everyone would want to keep playing that long. Uh, but with NIL, if, if you're making, well, you know, he's not a high-end player, but even if he's making $50,000, you know, which would be a like a normal – type of salary out here in the real world then then uh more power to him to play football for that so i can see the reasoning and i i have no idea if i were in school that long if i'd want to keep doing that but uh well, that's what i was wondering yeah. well, you know, what was the motivation for him to go this long i mean you love the game and you understand that once you leave college you don't have a professional opportunity uh right i mean uh I can't think of, you know, it's it would be so weird for someone out of high school to do it. But, like, I, I knew the second I left high school that my athletic career competitively was over. Uh, and that's not a great feeling when you love something like that. And for these guys that have even more invested than I did or you and me or whoever that just played high school and didn't make collegiate, you know, that's tough when you've spent 15 or so, 10, 15 years of your life doing that, and you truly love that. So I want to at least understand the perspective of the realization that that's it for you once you once you leave college. You don't have that professional opportunity, and that's the realization that comes to about 90% of these collegiate athletes, if not more. And so if you have the opportunity to keep extending it, yeah, you, you – need to figure out what's going to be next at some point with your college education. Uh, but but certainly now that you can get paid some of this NIL money and, and, and be more financially uh, set up to survive a little bit longer with it, I, I again, I can certainly understand uh, and, and empathize and, and think about uh, all the, the positive reasons of doing that. Yeah, well, what caught me was nine years. And Lord, let me read. This. Oh, I get okay. it. Yeah, it's a, it's 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 an extreme. We're not where I can I can't fathom any. I couldn't even fathom nine, so I can't fathom any more than it's it's an extreme for sure. Well, moving on real quickly, say with a uh, uh, football. This I got from the sports career. It's called the Maxwell Minutes. So let me read this. NCAA hands down penalties to Florida State. Uh, Rick Harrow, who's known as a sports professor, have you seen this? What's happened at FSU? Uh, I know that they have some NIL. I had some NIL investigations. I, I don't yeah, know the level result of them. Level two serious sanctions. All right, so those are not the the worst kind. Uh, they're going to have uh, two year probation and scholarship reduction. Uh, suspension. Let's see, 
for impermissible uh, NIL three-game suspension, FSU two-year probation. I'm reading this. Official visits, a six-week prohibition on communication over the next two academic years. So um, you think that's not much of a hit? Uh, say say the last penalty one more time. Yeah, I'm reading all these. Sure. And, uh, let's see. Reduction of official visits, a six-week prohibition on yeah. recruiting. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. And uh, communication over the next two ye- academic years. And, um, yeah, the scholarship reductions as well. So they're getting some hits. Yeah. I think ultimately probably um, nearly negligible uh, in terms of their impact. I mean, I think that uh, recruits will understand, hey, we can't contact you during this time. we got to serve this penalty. That's why we'll touch base again right afterwards. Uh, scholarship reduction always is a little disappointing uh, because the numbers are always moving and you want to have as many numbers available to you as possible because of the portal and all that stuff. So, again, I'm not going to say it's zero, but, yeah, it's not it's not overly impactful. And I was also reading to Steve uh, that that's just coming out in the last five or ten minutes with one of the Florida State's favorite schools, Florida, is uh, now under investigation by the NCAA and it's uh, being reported in the – Tampa Bay Times, so uh, that this appears to be some sort of recruiting deal too. So I, 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 uh, I, I don't know. There's a lot of these kind of moderate to minor investigations going on around NIL and and all that sort of stuff right now. Okay, uh, about tomorrow night's game. Are you guys going to it? I'll be there as a media member, Steve. Okay, so I know you can't yell the way I do. Yes. So uh, I know you have to be best behavior. So guys, tell me this. Um, how how does this match up? How do we match up with their players? And who's going to be assigned to Mr. Flanagan? I think the good news about Auburn is because they're so balanced, they're going to match up with just about everybody. I think the strengths for Ole Miss, as we were talking a little bit about in the first segment, they're a really good three-point team. They don't shoot a lot of them for whatever reason. They are 39% uh, from three this year. That is 15th in the country. However, they only take about the 270th most threes. So they don't for whatever reason, jack a lot of them up. They just, I guess they take good quality threes. So they're a much different team when they have to take two. So Auburn's going to want to run them off the three-point line and make them take uh, some runners and some difficult floaters and that sort of thing. And as far as Flanagan's matchup, uh, I, I don't see why it would not be a lot of Chad Baker-Mazar. Now, obviously, he Baker-Mazar will not be out, out there every second that Flanagan is, and, and he does not start. So probably Chris Moore would draw first blood on him, I would think, uh, when you're thinking mm-hmm. about Auburn's starting lineup of Jalen Williams, Janai Broom, Chris Moore, uh, Denver Jones, and Aiden Hallway. I would think that would be Chris Moore for you know four or five minutes. And then I think CBM would come in there and guard him a lot. You might see Jalen Williams on him at time, but I think Jalen Williams is going to be on Jamin Breakfield, the, uh, the former Duke transfer. So, uh, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of Baker Mazar versus Flanagan, which is, again, ironic because Baker Mazar is obviously the guy that uh, got this opportunity uh, to join Auburn after Flanagan left. Yeah, well, uh, I'm curious to see you know, if uh, the, the officials in this game are going to be whistle-happy uh, because I just got, I'm just reading this from Nathan King. I uh, didn't know this. Ole Miss is number three, guys, nationally in blocked shots. Yeah, so uh, we should talk about that. and. I, I did mention the individual part of it because a lot of that comes from uh, Jamarian Sharp. So that's 
they don't have much of an offensive presence. They're big. Cisse uh, uh, and Sharp combined for like seven points a game. Again, they, they don't do a lot of scoring. Uh, but uh, you're right, Jamarian Sharp, he used to play at Western Kentucky, and he is 7'5". And in I think he plays about 15, I play 17 minutes a game. In 17 minutes a game, he averages three blocks a night. So uh, he he can block them. Obviously, they as a team they are pretty long. Again, a six four guard is is pretty big for a guard. Um, and and they play Flanagan, who's pretty lengthy at the three, just like Baker Mazzara is. So they have some length. Uh, but that is certainly very impressive that it's to that degree for their block shots. Mm. So uh, I'm, I'm just guessing they may be um, oh, uh, a lot of people going to the foul line trying to uh, hold block shots. Yeah, I I mean, block shots. Say that again. Is, is Ole Miss really aggressive? Uh, just in terms of on-ball pressure or? Yeah. Uh, I mean, sure. <laughs> again, they – I don't think that they are really renowned as a great defensive team. I mean, I you know they gave up a hundred to Tennessee, so uh, you can try to play aggressive, but if you're not good at it, you're just going to foul people way too much. Uh, and and when you look at their numbers, um, you know they're they're kind of in the middle of the pack. It looks like from what I'm seeing and what uh, foul foul attempts allowed and, and foul attempts are. And they're a good foul shooting team. At 75%, that's 57th in the country, but they take 114th most free throws. They allow the 145th most free throws. So to me, that's that's in that middle third range. So they're pretty pretty standard when it comes to the foul line, pretty average. All right, well, I know you'll be a good crowd tomorrow night. Now, I have not seen lines come out yet. Guys, what would you make the line? I would go high single digits for Auburn. I'd go 7.5, 8.5, maybe 9, somewhere in there. Okay. you expect this to be a low-scoring game or not? I would trend towards higher because, again, I, I don't know that Ole Miss truly is a great defensive team. I think, again, they have one great element, and that's what we've discussed with the block shots. But uh, that, that's not everything, obviously, defensively. So uh, they they have a propensity that you can get them. Uh, they do shoot it well. So, again, if they get a lot of looks from three, they'll be able to score. Uh, they've had some impressive nights. I think this would be an 85-75 type of game uh, with the potential to get to 90, honestly, if you're Auburn. You did it against LSU. So I I would not be shocked that Auburn got to 90 if they play well. Got to play well to get to 90 points. But uh, I would certainly lean towards towards higher on this one. All right, finally, finally, guys, I'm talking about you, Mr. Rylevoy, your team. Yes, sir. I'm just reading this from Bleach Report. All right. uh, I know Tampa lost. In the early part of the, of the season, 20-6, to six, I believe, right? Uh, that sounds right, yep. Yeah. All right, well, it says here that Tampa Bay should be able to exploit the Detroit Lions' 27th-ranked pass defense. I know they were that bad. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know the numbers there, too. I mean, I know Detroit is a better offensive team than defensive team. I, I had that knowledge just because of the way golf has played, the weapons they have, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and uh, their running backs, Gibbs and Montgomery. And so, I, you know, I, I can I, – I knew about their offense, and I figured that, you know, overall as a defense they're not going to rank too highly. But 27th is quite low. And it says here that uh, Carter Beach report people that uh, Baker Mayfield should be able to take advantage of that. And also, apparently, uh, they expect Tampa Bay uh, to uh, blitz. In fact, he says here they blitz forty percent of the forty one forty point one percent of the time, and 
they're expecting uh, the defense for Tampa Bay to uh, force Jared Goff into uh, a lot of mistakes. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the goal. I mean, again, if if you give up 20 points to the Lions, I mean, that's a pretty good place to be in because, again, the Lions are a good offensive team. So even in that game in Tampa, it was not the defense that let Tampa Bay down. It was obviously scoring six points. You're not going to do much with that. Now, Goff did have a good productive day, but the Lions did not run at all. I think the Bucs were very committed to uh, at least taking the run game away from them. Uh, but obviously the offense left to play much better than it did uh, against Detroit the first time. And, look, the good news for Tampa is they just did that. They did they got beat pretty good by Philly in the regular season, and then they beat Philly pretty good in the postseason. So, I, I look, I, I'm not trying to sound pessimistic because I know I've leaned towards the Eagles. Uh, this is going to be a really tough place to play. This is now on the road for Tampa, and Detroit has so much momentum that it's just going to be really tough. I think I saw somewhere uh, the NFL or someone said that this was uh, this past playoff game for the Lions against the Rams was the fourth loudest playoff game in NFL history. Uh, so I don't know if anyone else saw that, but uh, so so that that's a fired up environment. It's going to be very difficult, and the key will be Detroit's play action. How Tampa defends that? Can they sack Goff? Uh, do they get fooled by play action? That sort of thing, and and then of course Tampa's. Offense needs to do better than six points. But I, I still lean towards Lions. I think that this stars are aligning for them, maybe not to win the Super Bowl, but certainly to have uh, – I mean, if they get to the NFC Championship game, that's about their best season ever. So I, I think they're very much on the doorstep of that. Well, I I think you're just, just trying to be, uh, as, as, I guess, we're expecting the worst and maybe hoping for the best. But I got to tell you right here, according to the Bleach Report, uh, you got two offensive weapons that should take advantage uh, their past defense, uh, Mike, about Evans. Mike Evans and yep. Chris Godwin. Yeah. Oh, I love them both. I try, I, they're they're both awesome. Evans is a free agent after this year, and uh, of course Tampa's trying to figure out if he'll be a buck for life or go somewhere else and make a lot of money. But um, yeah, no, those two are no no jokes, and they're no secrets to Detroit. That will be very important for them to try and stop. And um, but you know it's the it's the chess mess, and then Mike Evans, I think, on man coverage this year, uh, just against one on one coverage, had over 800 yards receiving. So I, I definitely expect Detroit to uh, to double team him a lot. Okay, so uh, I'll be pulling for him. I appreciate uh, we'll that. Uh, um, I mean, I'm I'm looking for for uh, an upset here because obviously they're expected uh, to lose a quarter of Vegas by a touchdown. Um, any injuries? On free the team? No, I mean both teams are pretty impressively healthy. I mean, I, I I was a little concerned prior to the Philly game, which is why I picked Philly, that Baker was not very close to a hundred percent because he he got knocked in the ribs at the end of that Saints game, and then against Carolina he rolled his ankle. So I really did not think he would be that close to a hundred percent, but he certainly played like it against Philly. So I'm I'm not as worried about his injury concerns. KJ Britt's come back healthy. He played obviously against Philly. So Tampa's good, and then I think that the Lions had like maybe like Khalif Raymond on their injury report as being questionable, but he's like their number four or five receiver. So I really think both teams are going to have everybody available, and that's incredibly rare at this time of year. All right. And finally, Brooks, I know you're going to the game, right? I am. And I know you have to be professional. Um, I don't know if you can do this, but if it looks like you know we have a big lead with Star Squadron, could you maybe write on a big poster board and put it uh, where you're sitting uh, so maybe uh, Bruce Pearl can see it, call a timeout? <laughs> uh, 
Well, it, it's going to be hard to get a get poster board in in there in the, my backpack, but I'll try. Okay, well, all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to my ramblings. Have a safe uh, afternoon, evening. Enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you Monday then. Where you guys? Where you'll see. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward M. Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. A couple minutes left here in the first hour. Again, reminder: we're getting off air at four thirty today. Uh, so a little bit different as Borgard High School basketball comes up uh, just around 5 o'clock against Valley there at Borgard High School. Tim Sin and the guys on the call of that one, so that's why we're getting off at 4.30. And in the abbreviated second hour, Brooks and I will go through uh, the NFL matchups coming up this weekend uh, and try to get through all four of them. There was an, a little bit of NFL news today. Just just touch this real quickly uh, that Las, Ve- Las Vegas uh, did hire Antonio Pierce today. And so that was not really a job we discussed yesterday. We discussed the top three or four jobs on our boards, and uh, that was really pretty much all Seattle, L.A., and, and the Falcons. But, uh, but Vegas did hire Pierce. The players really, really wanted him. And, again, they finished ultimately 8-9. and nine. It was not like they – uh, did not rally. It's always a fascinating discussion. I don't know if I land one particular way. Do you get weary about the interims that turn a bad team into acceptable and then kind of get the job? Like, And, and maybe this is not Pierce-specific, but mm. we see this kind of semi-frequently. Yeah. Where it, and even the college game, think of Ed Orgeron or something. Like, you, you, you take that interim job do just well enough and they give that job to you yeah. even though that you might have been would have been an afterthought if not for that you see what i'm saying yeah i i think it's i, I i'm kind of wary about them um obviously you know they start playing the the players start playing better obviously you're you're in a more and you're in a better situation than you were in with your previous head coach so you're you know you're going to play with more enthusiasm there and you're you know you're excited um I really think the 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 tell is that first year because there's you know there's been quite often you've hired that interim and then that first year they come back and it's like well we're kind of right back where we were but you know at least the players are a little bit more happy uh, the owner may not be but it 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 really depends on how they they enter that first year and how they they set up the rest of their staff um, because you know do they uh, do they get rid of some of the people that were on that staff because you were working with them and it, they were the guys that were on the staff with you and so do you go outside and try to create your own kind of culture there or are you like this is it this is the this is the culture we're gonna so I'm always a little bit wary of it because it could go it could go south really quickly once the the good faith wears off so yeah Antonio Pierce does end up getting that job again there's a couple of players like Max Crosby even threatening to uh, ask out for a trade if he was not the guy. So, you know, players really loved him. And, look, I guess in the NFL you get fired up. It is part of it. But uh, Antonio Pierce gets the Las Vegas Raiders job after being their interim uh, post whatever the heck Josh McDaniels was doing there in Las Vegas. We are out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned, a abbreviated hour number two. We're out at 430 today. When we come back, we will talk about the NFL and its playoff matchups This weekend, you're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here on this beautiful Friday afternoon. Not as frigid. It's okay. 50 feels so much better after you have 37 and you have lows of 12. Yeah, I I was out uh, running some errands yesterday, and I was outside – and uh, one of the people that I was with was like, man, it's it's great that it warmed up and the wind is whipping. It's like 49 <laughs> degrees. So I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it actually does feel really good out here. I told the story off air. Uh, when I left Tampa Tuesday morning, Okay, this, this is still like 10 a.m. at ah, 1030. It was 74. And <laughs> when I stopped for gas and tiffed in Georgia, it was 40. And flip it. It was very different. I'm glad I dressed more so for 40 than I did for 74 when I got in the vehicle because it was it. Things had changed after I went up uh, the interstate a couple hundred miles. But uh, anyway, we have a shortened edition of the show. We're getting off air at 4:30 today in Borgard High School basketball coming up just before five o'clock. Got to get people moved around here, and so. Uh, Borg on at 5 right here in Tiger 95.9 Smith Station basketball against Opelika at 5.30 Brand Daughtry uh, the voice of the Smith Station Panthers on the call with T.P. Hammock for that one so uh, let's get going here with this abbreviated hour number 2 and let's do that by previewing the NFL playoffs we've already previewed some Auburn basketballs they take on top 25 Ole Miss this weekend so Games on Saturday, Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens were the one seed, so they got to sit last week. And then the Green Bay Packers putting the Cowboys back in postseason shambles. Uh, They take on the San Francisco 49ers, who were also idle uh, and had the bye week last week. So 49ers, Packers, Ravens, Texans. Which one seed, Brooks, are you more worried about on Saturday? Oh man! You see, the thing is, here, here's you. You would think how well the um, the the Cowboys played all year. the The pick would be for the Packers to to uh, be more apt to upset the 49ers because the Texans got the win over Cleveland. But you you know when you watch that game, you're like, all right, yeah, Cleveland came back down to earth. Joe Flacco came back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, that that makes sense. The Texans and and you know been uh one of the the stories of the year the thing is is the the packers they went and did that and last week i know i said a couple times earlier in this week when we were talking about last week's games but 
you know, last Friday, Ryan, we sat here and you asked which game you were, were you most nervous about? And I said the Cowboys because it's the playoff Cowboys. And so right now, I think that the um, the one that I'm more worried about uh, putting more on upset alert, not, you know, closer to upset alert, would be the Ravens. I think the, the Texans are a team that we've seen play very, very well all year long. C.J. Stroud, uh, you know, he, next year he could come back down to earth. He could be, you know, the, the sophomore slump is what, is what it's deemed. Uh, he could come back down on earth a little bit, but I think he's played so well. Uh, this year he's, he's in line to to uh, probably be rookie of the year um, if he was a rookie of the year there would be a lot of people that would say he's MVP uh, and he's going up against a guy that's getting a lot of MVP love than Lamar Jackson and so I think the Texans are a team that's that would be out of the th- out of the two games on Saturday more likely to upset the one seed would be the Texans because I think the Packers went in they got that huge win over Dallas very emotional national TV you beat America's team and then you're going up, and then you hit San Francisco, and they're like, "All right, yeah, cool, y'all were y'all were cute last week." And here's how we play football. Here's how real teams play football. So, let me be starting off with this. There's four games this weekend. It's the National Football League. The margins are tight, and I'm not 100 percent confident in any of the four. I'm going to telling myself if you did not hear last week, I said despite the fact that I know Dallas at some point. We'll mess this up. I said it won't be the first week. They're going to be totally fine against Green Bay. Green Bay is not that great. Dallas is at home. Haven't lost home. Dallas had not lost at home since the opening game of 2022 when Brady and the Bucks beat them. That's a long time. That was a long time. That is a long time. And then they got their face pushed in by Green Bay. So I was completely wrong on that. Knew Dallas would choke at some point, but did not expect it from the get-go. So I'm not confident about any of it. Of the two, though, I think you have to be, at minimum, the word I would use is more intrigued by Baltimore. Because what will Lamar do in the postseason? He has checked every regular season box there is to check now. All the questions about the passing and all that leading teams, he has done that to the nth degree now in the regular year. He's about to win his second MVP. And I thought that he clearly improved as a passer this year. However, let's see it in the postseason. Still got to see it in the postseason. Here's the postseason numbers. Okay, He's got four postseason starts. He is one and three. In those four games, three touchdowns, five picks, 55.9% passer. He has fumbled the football five times. And then he has a total rushing of a 367 yards. So that's, that part of it's good. About 80 rushing yards a game. Excuse me, about 75 rushing yards a game. He's got one rushing touchdown. So still not productive in touchdowns. But again, in four games, he's got four total touchdowns, but he's got five picks and five fumbles, and he's completed 56% of his passes. That's not good. Really, none of that's good. So, look, the last time we saw him in postseason was 2020. So we're going to give him a shot, another shot for sure and say that that's not necessarily who he is. But it needs to be pretty good from him uh, to, to ward off some of that stuff from his first three postseasons because that, that, all that was not good. So I'm intrigued by that. That's very relevant to me. And then on the other side of things, how do the Texans respond to being on the road? 
It's it's easier to enjoy that playoff experience at home. Mm. You're new to it. You're kind of maybe naive uh-huh. to it. You're at home. They're yeah. sporting you. You're kind of playing with house money. At some point, does that mentality change from, ah, we got nothing to lose to, oh, my gosh, we're we're playing very important football. <laughs> oh, no, we're on the road, though. They hate our guts. How, how do they perform in their first road environment in the postseason? Because they've – not how to do that. And I think they'll do fine. I love Stroud. I think Stroud one day is going to end up being a top five quarterback in the league. Hell, I mean, if you just want to take this individual year, he probably was a top five quarterback just this year. I know that you can't rate quarterbacks all on just one season, but uh, but he certainly played the part this season. But I think that I will lean to Baltimore in that. But I am very intrigued to see Lamar – try to ward off some marketably bad postseason performances in the past and tie in what has been great regular season work from him. Again, the, he was too unhealthy to play down the stretch the last couple of years, and one year they just flat out, you know, they just missed the playoffs because he they, they took such a nosedive after he got hurt. So it was it's clearly clearly different for them when he's not in there. There's no doubt about that, but just got to see it in the postseason. From the San Francisco 49ers game versus the Packers, Two of the great franchises in the history of the sport. Green Bay just got done playing another one of those with Dallas. I mean, these are the heavyweights that everyone's known and loved for 50 and 60 years. Um, I think here, the keys – look, we know who Shanahan is. He's awesome, runs great offense, balanced offense, weapons everywhere. The key with him is not get behind. The numbers are really bad when he gets behind early in games. So if you're Green Bay, this is one of those games that just sounds weird. If you're Green Bay and you just played lights out against Dallas, you win the toss, you want the ball. There's very few situations I say that. I'm very much going to try to win the middle eight and get the last possession in the second half, first possession, or excuse me, last possession in the first half, first possession of the second half. But I'd take the ball. I'd try and score on them and make them sweat early, just the way that Dallas was sweating from the get-go. I think that's a good strategy if you're Green Bay. And and make Shanahan think about trying to play from behind a little bit. So if I'm Green Bay, I'm trying to attack early. I'm trying to use all that momentum. I, I hopefully wound up. And look, they had to win a couple games to get in. After they lost to Tampa, they had to win, I think, three in a row to make the postseason. They did it. So look, this is a pretty hot team. I know they were 9-8. and eight. I'm not telling you yet that Jordan Love is is absolutely awesome, but we're getting whiffs of it. And the NFC North is getting nervous about it. Oh, no, not again. But, uh, I, I, again, I'm not great at, at this part of it because the margins are so close. I think San Francisco will win, too, because I think that San Francisco and Baltimore in these two games, I think they're the two best teams in the National Football League. Yeah, but any given Sunday, right? So I, I think San Francisco has an edge, but Green Bay, to me, has a path. Start early, start strong. Uh Again, so that that's how I view. It. Any final thoughts on the Saturday games, Brooks? Before we move on to Sundays, uh, now I mean, I, you know, you, you look at both of these. I, I think offensively, right now, the the, the Houston uh, is 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 such a is such a hot team, and I, and then uh, for San Francisco, I think that they've just been consistently good all year. That if if you told me on uh, the the NFC championship or the the two two teams that come out of this game these two games that are going to be playing in the in the championship series if you said 
the 49ers, I would believe you. I wouldn't believe you if you said the Packers are going to be doing it. But if you told me either team is going to be playing for the AFC Championship next weekend, I'd believe you in a heartbeat. Okay. So definitely think that the 49ers have a little bit more of an edge than the Ravens. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Baltimore is favored by 9.5. San Francisco is favored by 9.5. So we will see how that plays out Saturday. The Sunday games, 2 o'clock, NBC, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Detroit Lions. Lions with an epic uh, victory against the Rams last week. Uh, Lions' first playoff win since the early 90s. Uh, so that one, huge for the Detroit uh, franchise that had been so ill-fated and had been so struggling. I believe, I'm trying to think, I don't know if it's the last time the Lions were in the postseason or last time they made this round or exactly what it was, but the Lions do have a, a playoff loss in 97 to Tampa Bay. Uh, maybe that was the last time the, the Lions played a home playoff game before the, the Rams game. I, I'm not exactly sure on that, but I did see that somewhere. Uh, so there is a little bit of history from these two teams, which, again, do not have some of the best histories in the league, certainly Tampa more than Detroit because of the two Super Bowls, but uh, not two of the more winning franchises. We just went from <laughs> Packers 49ers, two of the absolute top, to the Bucks and the Lions, who are not going to be towards the top. So that's the 2 o'clock game, Bucks defeating Philly, Lions defeating the Rams. And then the 5.30 game, I think this one's probably on paper the most even the weekend. I think really this one's hard to figure out who should be favored. Buffalo is at home. They will host Kansas City. Both teams went 11-6 and six in the regular year. Both teams had their adversity. Both teams, I think there's a world where both these teams end up with 14-ish wins rather than the 11-6. and six. The Bills got off to a bad start. Uh, ironically, they kind of turned their season around against Kansas City. They have not. Uh, they have not lost since they played Kansas City. As a matter of fact, they lost the Eagles game in overtime into November. They went to Arrowhead and won. Then they beat Dallas, the Chargers, the Patriots, and the Dolphins to win that division. Take it from Miami. So that earned them the right to be at home. They uh, did a good job against Pittsburgh, and now they're here playing a Chiefs team, which a little more drama this year. Uh, just that was the way it's been. And no, I'm not talking about who's been watching football from luxury boxes. I don't care. It's a great, it's whatever. I don't, it's not their fault. It's not the fault, whatever. Um, look, Kelsey's getting older and I think they thought they'd get another huge season out of him that he's been fine, but he's not in his prime anymore. And their receiver, their wide receivers have been rough until they've got Rasheed Rice here. Uh, recently, who has played really good football. I mean, he's, they're on to something with him. But Valdez Scantling's kind of eh. Uh, can, uh, Tony should, Canarius Tony should not be playing football. <laughs> he should not be a star, should not be playing wide receiver in the NFL. He does, the dude does not even line up the way he should. Uh, they've had issues all year long uh, with that. And, their defense had to carry them, and that's the first time under Mahomes that you say that, where the offense has had issues, the defense has been the reason you went here. So, Brooks, that's kind of a long-winded rundown of the two. Uh, but Bucks, lions Chiefs-Bills. I think Sunday's games could be, unless there's an upset on Saturday, I think these are two the two most probable close games. What do you see happening? Uh, really quickly, one of my favorite fun facts for the weekend here, uh, looking at it, 
Two of the games for the weekend are going to be played in 20-degree weather or below, or, you know, keep going down. Excellent. The other two games will be played 60-degree weather or up. As uh, the 49ers, it's going to be like mid-lower 60s in Santa Clara. Beautiful. Then, in Detroit, it's going to be a comfortable 75 degrees inside the dome. <laughs> notable, notable dome, uh, yeah. Uh, unless you talk to some of the, the Tampa media, uh, whoever asked that question right. uh, earlier this week. If, if I don't know who that was. I'm not even sure that – it might have been Tampa. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to defend I – mean, I, sh- I don't – I will tell you this. I did not recognize the voice I heard. Let me put it to you that way. Could have very well been, but you're right. If people did not hear, yes, um, some member of the media did ask Todd Bowles what the adjustment would be like playing from warm weather to the cold weather in Detroit. Todd politely said, it's a dome. Uh, It will be cold getting off the bus, and otherwise we're there to play football in a dome. So, yeah. Hilarious stuff. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, two games, the Ravens and the, the Bills games will be 20 degrees, some somewhere in there, and then the other two are, are in 60 and up weather. So that's that's a great, great football weather there. Uh, the the first game, that Buccaneers-Lions game, uh, you know, it's it feels like... It feels like a fairy tale for the Lions right now as they continue to win. They they continue to to look really good. Um, they were the that you know you, you you talked about how this the Sunday games could be the the two close games could be two you know really really good football games this weekend. Well, the the Lions win over the Rams last week. It was the closest game of the weekend last weekend, and so it's going to be fun to see if the Bucks can build on the momentum that they took from absolutely shellacking the, the Eagles. And I know the Eagles have not been the same team the second half of the year as they were the first half. Um, but the, the fact that you went in, you, you went it fairly easily won that game against Philadelphia. The, the Lions had to battle. The Lions had to go in. They, it was a, a huge emotional game. You had your old quarterback coming back home. You got to boo him uh, in the playoffs. You, the first time you've you know, been in that, that situation for a while uh, for Detroit. So it was a huge emotional game. I think this game is going to be fairly close. I, honestly, if the Buccaneers pull off an upset, I would not be shocked. Uh, I think the Lions right now are the, the the slightly better team. You mentioned it a little bit earlier talking to Steve, uh, how it's it, it's amazing how both of these teams come in with their health uh, very much intact. Um, I think the the Lions offense is is the team that you're you know you're you're looking at, and it's just man they they've got some some weapons there. Um, Dan Campbell's a coach that likes to take some chances and go for stuff. Uh, what's going to to be a really big factor? And I, I think is is uh, the, what I just threw out there is playoff football a very close game uh, if if it's a very close game and there is a chance to to uh, you know you either you know let's say take the points you know let's and and get a three or go for it playoff football is a different animal does Dan Campbell gamble and make those calls to go for it because we saw it backfire on the uh the eagles a couple times after a couple penalties it backfired on them they ended up trying to go for stuff and uh the the buccaneers were able to to step their defense up and stop them last last week so can the lions if the lions presented with some of those situations will they do what the Eagles did and try to go for it and look at, you know, and I'm not saying the, the Buccaneers are going to, you know, are definitely going to stop everybody every single time, but you know, they, they've, the Buccaneers will see that and say, all right, we've been in this situation before. Don't panic. We just, you know, play football. 
or do they, you know, go away from a little bit of the more aggressive approach that Dan Campbell has had this year and, and you know, be more conservative with trying to win a football game? That's going to be very, very interesting. The other game, that Chiefs-Bills game, is so interesting. I saw a stat earlier this week, and I said it on air. 15 playoff games has Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes has played in 15 playoff games. All of them have been inside Arrowhead Stadium outside of Super Bowls. Good grief. This is the first time he's been on the road. This is the third time him uh, and Josh Allen match up in the playoffs. The Kansas City Chiefs have won both the previous two times, and they've both been in Arrowhead. This is the first time you've got to go up to play in Buffalo. You know, you, you look at it, some pe- people would say, oh, the cold is, you know, going to be factored. They, they both played. Kansas City played a minus 33-degree wind chill last week. Cold's not going to affect them. I th- This is one of those – this game, I find, I think right now – Buffalo is the hotter team. I think that they've really gotten on a roll as the season's gone on. I think Buffalo is the team that should win this football game. But this is the category I throw this in is the same category I threw the Cowboys in last weekend. Until they do it, I don't trust them to do it. It's they are they've gotten into this situation before. Sean McDermott has gotten into this situation before. Last year, uh, when it when it happened in uh, in the playoffs, or two years ago, it happened in the playoffs. You got them to to that game, and it ended up going to overtime. Kansas City ended up winning that game, and then this this year, uh, you know, the, the, you started to question: Is McDermott the coach for them? And it, it kind of lingered into the season when they were they were struggling a little bit. And you're like, is McDermott the coach for this team? Well, the you've you've started to you know gone on that roll here, and you've gotten to this point in the playoffs. You're you're playing hot football. That that talk has kind of gone away. If they lose again, do you start that conversation? Do the conversations around the Bills start up again? Is is McDermott the coach of this team? Because it would have been the, again the third time you've played this team in the playoffs, have not been able to get past this team. So I right now, I say the Bills should win this football game. Because of the, they're the more. I think they are right now the hotter team. They're at home. You got the fan, the crazy fans behind you. But until you do, it's like the Cowboys. Until you do it, I don't trust right. you to do it. And look, no, I classify them in, in this class. I'm about to give you where it feels like we're going to get someone weird in the Super Bowl. Like it feels too too eerie to me to just slap San Francisco and Baltimore in there. And if you look at almost every other team, it would be kind of weird. Houston would be incredibly weird. They've obviously never been to a Super Bowl. They're a newer franchise. But they had the number two pick in the draft last year. People were mad at Lovey Smith for not for trying to win the last game and losing the number one pick. And even with all the guys they drafted, they were supposed to win like four games this year. That'd be weird. Green Bay, this is about as weird as it would be for them in 30 years. They don't have Farther Rodgers. No one knew if Jordan Love was any good or not. They looked destined to miss playoffs. They were 6-8. and eight. And now, all of a sudden, they took down Dallas. That would be kind of weird for them to be on the run. I'm not, I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying it's weird to have Green Bay in a Super Bowl, but the way that this Green Bay team is constructed and after losing Rodgers somehow do something they only did once with Rodgers, yeah, that would be kind of weird. It would be weird if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were in the Super Bowl. They still I, – I love, I love them. <laughs> But they still have the worst winning percentage in the history of the NFL. They do have two Super Bowls. So, again, maybe it's not the weirdest thing to happen. But Tom Brady, the GOAT, retires, and you're going to go and just not even care? (laughs) 
That's weird. That's not something the Patriots did. That would be incredibly weird. Detroit. Detroit. That's weird. Detroit. (laughs) That's enough. That's all that has to be said. Be weird. Kansas City would not be weird. But Buffalo might be an ounce weird. Outside of the 90s, the three-peat loss, it's been rough for them. And it's been a lot of close calls. That's the Buffalo Bills in a nutshell. Their franchise is a close call. So that'd be a little weird. So outside of San Francisco, Baltimore, and Kansas City, any of this would be weird. And I just I, I'm get I'm starting to get a feeling I'm fighting a feeling that well, something's going to be weird at the end of the day. Um, we got only got a couple minutes left, so real quickly I'll say I do think that Detroit will beat Tampa. Um, I think that the play action is just so pristine for Detroit. I do think the Bucks have really good linebackers that are equipped to give Detroit a better shot at defending it. Goff did throw a lot on them in Tampa and threw it well, 340, 350 yards. But they scored 20 points. Like Tampa bowed up when they had to. Detroit couldn't run it. So there's a pathway to Tampa hanging in there defensively. The real issue there is can Baker play like he did against Philly? Because he did not do that against Detroit in game one. The Bucks only scored six points. So I understand there's some matchups that Tampa feels that they can take advantage of. There's been some smack talk from uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, former Saint, in the media about Baker Mayfield to the Bucks. So I know the Bucks will be fired up. But that crowd's going to be unbelievable. They're such a great story. Uh, I kind of feel like they might kind of take on America's team's mantra this year, especially the further they go, just because everyone's like ready for them to do something after they've been lovable losers for a long time. So I, I, I just think Tampa's up against a little too much. Uh, but, again, I don't think it'd be a blowout. I think Tampa hang around. And if they hang around, as you say, Brooks, maybe Dan Campbell makes a bad decision on a fourth down that comes back to haunt him. We'll see. And then Kansas City and Buffalo, man, I don't know. This is the toughest to pick. As you said, we've never seen this. We've never seen Mahomes go on the road in the postseason. And not that he has to to validate anything about him. He's Patrick Mahomes. We get it. It's not It's not like Lamar for me where I, I need to see something in the postseason on Lamar. Mahomes won two Super Bowls. Like he, whatever. Even Brady's road record is not his home record. Like, that's that's how it goes. It is better to be at home. It's not a shock. So, it's not that I need to see anything out of, out of Kansas City or Mahomes. It's just we just haven't seen it. I don't know what to expect. I don't know if there will be a drop-off, especially with this team that's had problems at times. Uh, and then for Buffalo, as you said, they're a mini version of Dallas. You're just waiting for it to go wrong for them. Um, some, some heartbreak in their past and their franchise, some, some stupid stuff. Heartbreak win this game a couple years ago and that overtime game and being so close to beating them. So I I don't know. I'm not really married to thinking strongly about this one other than I think that – I think it'll be dramatic. I think it'll be close. And I, 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 if you made me pick, I think I'm going to pick Kansas City on the road. Just that same thing. Like seeing has got to be believing, and I just – we got to see it in the postseason on Buffalo. It's it, it's and it's more than just a Josh Allen thing. It's just a franchise thing. It's just like I need to see you not have the most painful pain and not do the dumbest dumb at some point in the postseason. So I think this is going to be a really really fun weekend. A lot of great storylines. All eight quarterbacks are under thirty years old. By the way, I think Mayfield's the second oldest at 28, and I think Goff is the oldest. So Detroit-Tampa is the two oldest quarterbacks that are still under 30. Uh, so maybe not all the names you thought you'd see 
Maybe you thought, and I would have thought, Joe Burrow might end up being here, something like that, uh, in terms of the under-30 crowd. But we certainly have uh, a good group of guys with different storylines all under 30. So it's going to be a really fun weekend in the NFL. You want to know another fun fact? Yes, I saw I this last weekend. This is the first postseason since 1999 without a Brady or a Manning in it. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's again, pretty pretty obviously the changing of the guard there. And uh, a little bit sad, too, to the legends of the game for sure. All right, we are up against the end of the show here. Again, a shortened show because uh, Borgard High School basketball coming up in just a few minutes. So real quick nightly TV guide right now. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we have? Well, your moving picks for the evening on this Friday night, 6 o'clock on BBC America. Ace Ventura 2, When Nature Calls. Jim Carrey, classic Jim Carrey character there. Also, 6.30 on E! Network if you're looking for some other kind of comedy, a little sport comedy. Adam Sandler's Happy Gilmore is on tonight. Uh, so those are your two movie picks for the evening. Sports picks for you coming up tonight. Uh, some college basketball for you, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. It is St. Louis visiting VCU. Also, 6 o'clock on ESPNU. Akron visits Kent State and some action. Uh, 7.30 FS1, Indiana visits Wisconsin for some Big Ten Friday night hoops action. And then finish off your college basketball night at 9.30 on FS1, UNLV visits Colorado State. Fun fun conferences in the Mountain West. I know we say it every single time. 6 o'clock, Golf Network, round two of the PGA Tour Champions Mitsubishi Electric Championship is on tonight. And, of course, a doubleheader of NBA action tonight. 6.43 is the first game at ESPN. Nuggets visit the Celtics. Then at 9.05, it's the Mavericks visiting the Warriors. And then, of course, 8 o'clock tonight on uh, ESPN2, it is the Australian Open third round. I've got one amendment there. Uh, Is the Warriors not playing tonight? Yeah, because of uh, the assistant coach that sadly passed away a couple days ago. They replaced that with the Lakers and the Nets. All right. Well, then uh, still a doubleheader of NBA basketball. (laughs) Still out west. Yes. uh, And still another California team. Yes. Still a lot was the same. Yes. Just one one one. Little amendment there because, again, of the tragic passing of the Warriors assistant. Yep. And that's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that's it for this short edition of Sports Call here on this Friday. Brooks Childress, thank you very much for being on the show and all that you do. Hope you have a great weekend, sir. We'll see you again next week. I'll see you then. And that does it for the show again today and for the week. As always, we certainly appreciate everyone for tuning in and for calling in. For T.P. Hammock, who's run the board a little bit earlier, and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.